Welcome to The Ron Show. It is Thursday, November 17th, 2022, and I'm your host, Ron Roberts. And thanks for listening, by the way, on the America One Radio app and at americaoneradio.com. Going to dive right in because I've got a guest on the line with me who uh, is here to discuss... Well, we've got a couple of things, actually, that I want to talk about, but the thing that caught my eye was my guest's tweet from earlier today. Uh, Brian Sells joins us, civil rights attorney based here in Atlanta, Georgia. You have worked up and down the court system, by the way, also an adjunct professor. Let's dive right into the tweet, because I think it's one that voters on all sides of the spectrum need to hear. And the tweet read, I think Nate Silver and the betting markets are wrong. Walker, as in Herschel Walker is the heavy favorite because white voters are likely a larger share of the runoff electorate than of the general election. Brian, thanks for joining us. I appreciate that. You want to elaborate a little bit? Sure. Let me kind of unpack my my thinking there. First of all, elections in Georgia are highly polarized along racial lines. Mm -hmm. That should come as a surprise to no one. What that means is that white voters tend to support one candidate and black voters tend to support the, a, a different candidate. And in recent years, they've been supporting opposite candidates at rates of 90% or higher. And, and I don't think, I haven't seen the analysis yet, it probably hasn't been done, but I think that the general election uh, contest for Senate uh, likely stuck to that pattern, meaning probably between... 90 and 95% of white voters in Georgia voted for Walker mm-hmm. and you know a similar share of black voters voted for Warnock okay with that as the background you can kind of tell who's going to be the favorite if you could estimate the white and black share of the runoff uh, electorate and that's where i i think I differ from the betting markets and Nate Silver, which essentially assume that if you take racial polarization for a given, that the composition of the electorate in the runoff will be similar to the composition of the electorate in the general. And I don't think that's a reasonable assumption here for a couple of reasons. The first is that unlike the runoff in January of 2021, there's now much less time to mobilize voters. Mm-hmm. The, runoff, the runoff isn't nine weeks after the election, it's four weeks after the election. And that makes a big difference. That's five fewer weeks to be knocking on doors, to be uh, calling and texting voters who haven't voted yet and and hounding them to get out and vote. And my sense of 2021 is that that was critical to the victories of Warnock and Ossoff in that runoff. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, that's not the only time we've had runoffs in Georgia. And if you look back historically, um, we had a runoff in 2018 and uh, in the general election. And we've had statewide runoffs in a number of elections in the previous decade. Mm-hmm. And while I haven't gone back to, to um, measure the drop-off in black voter turnout 
in the 2018 runoff, historically, the general pattern is in Georgia that minority voters tend to be a smaller share of the electorate in the runoff than are white voters. So my assumption or my expectation is that black voters will constitute a smaller share of the runoff electorate in 2022 mm-hmm. than they constituted in the general electorate in 2022. And that is what suggests to me that Walker is going to be the heavy favorite because I, I think the round numbers are that black voters were about 32% of the turnout in the general election this, this past November. Uh, and if they are not 32%, but let's say 28% mm-hmm. of the turnout, I don't see how Warnock can overcome the racial block voting that is endemic to Georgia elections. He's got a hope, and it's not just hope, it's work, right? Right. Um, but it's he, he's got to aim for an electorate that is browner than the general election electorate. And, and like I say, that's going to take a lot of work. Looking back at uh, exit polling that was done, it, it does appear that Herschel Walker received 70% of the white vote and 17% of the non-white vote. Walker received 12% of the black male vote to just, I believe, it was only 6% of the black female vote. <laughs> And then looking back, uh, I, I noticed you also had retweeted earlier today some, uh, some data that showed that turnout, uh, this was from uh, Bernard Fraga, that turnout was actually, first of all, turnout was actually overall down in the state. Everybody was, you know, glad-handing and backslapping about early voter turnout to somehow dismiss the notion that uh, the last uh, election law wasn't in any way suppressive, and yet turnout was actually down. And it was not just, you know, down overall. It was specifically down amongst African Americans by 4.6%. It was uh, down for Hispanic Americans by 2.5%. It went up a little bit by 2.5%, I believe, for uh, for Asian Pacific Islanders. And for white voter turnout, white voter turnout actually saw an increase as well, going up just slightly by four-tenths of a percent. So I guess what you're spelling out for us, though, is that for Warnock, turnout is going to be huge. And with a shortened calendar, that could be a problem. Yes, that's exactly right. I kind of wonder, and, and we, we've seen we've seen some of the little nuances here in the machination behind the scenes, the lack of a Saturday election. It almost seems to have caught everybody by surprise that, oh, by the way, here's one other little nugget, one little landmine from SB202 that we didn't notice, and that that's the evisceration, essentially, of weekend voting, where you only have the one weekend where it's even possible, and because of a prior statute now... One of those weekend days is off the grid. Although in 2020, the Secretary of State somehow missed that statute and allowed early voting on a Saturday after a holiday. Well, I want to I want to correct one little thing of uh, part of what you just said. Please and, do. And, and it's really not it's really not SB 202 that has anything to do with the Saturday voting right. because SB 202 didn't didn't change that part of Georgia's election law. That was a bill that was passed, uh, I think, in 2017 right. or 18. Mm-hmm. 
but but you're correct that at least there was a different different interpretation of that statute in 2020 that enabled several counties to conduct early voting on the Saturday after Christmas, which mm-hmm. is also, of course, a holiday. And um, and I have yet to hear the Secretary of State explain that discrepancy. Now, his brief is due in the Fulton County Superior Court today in uh, Senator Warnock's lawsuit over Saturday voting. And, and so, you know, I'm eager to read that brief and to see what he has to say about it. You're right. There, there's been no word on an explanation for the disparity from 2020 to this year from the Secretary of State or from his COO, uh, Gabriel Sterling. Trust me when I tell you that I've asked them both on Twitter and have asked for comments and have yet to get either of them or anyone from their office on the show. You're yeah. right. You're right. This SB 202 did not cause the Saturday voting not to happen. The drawdown of the window of early voting in conjunction with that drawdown, leaves only one possible weekend for early voting. And in that one weekend, now we're left with only one day. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Yes, absolutely. You're right about that. It was SB 202 that uh, shortened the, the distance, if you will, between the general election and the runoff election. And that has the major consequence of far fewer days on which uh, Georgians can vote. Do you think there's a possibility, and I'm just going to let you speculate with me here, do you think there's the possibility, though, that because the runoff is so close to Election Day, that the election would still be fresh in the minds of voters and that the energy isn't something that has to be sort of mentally or psychologically rebooted six, seven weeks down the road to get folks back to the polls to vote? Well, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, on that, we can we can speculate uh, all day long, and and certainly a lot of folks are suggesting, for example, that without Brian Kemp on the ballot, white voters won't be interested in turning out, or that uh, the the fact that Donald Trump has announced his run for re reelection, that that perhaps brown voters will. We could spend all day guessing and speculating about that. But I, I prefer to look at historical data and my distinct, it's not even close. What you see in past years right. when we've had general election runoffs, and, and frankly, before 2020, they were, they were, I think, five weeks after the general. Mm-hmm. So they, they looked a lot more like this one. It was a common thread to see black voter turnout drop off much more so than white. Now, to be, to be clear, tur- turnout amongst all groups in runoffs is down. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why runoffs don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But what we have seen in Georgia over the last 20 years is that as a general matter, with 21 being the exception, um, minority turnout decreases at a greater rate than white turnout. We're on with Brian Sells, local civil rights attorney. And uh, by the way, who has his own firm here in Atlanta, if you ever decide that you need to uh, seek counsel for, uh, for something in, the, in, that, in that realm. Uh, also, we have to remember that because of SB 202, there is no registration period as well. That's right. The deadline for 
registering is 30 days before the election. But of course, because there's only 28 days between the general and the runoff, there's no post-election opportunity to register. Right. Is it my understanding we would have had to have had folks registered on the Friday before Election Day for them to be eligible to vote in the runoff, whether they did or didn't vote in the general? Uh, That sounds about right, yes. If you're just joining us, we are on with civil rights attorney, Atlanta resident, and adjunct professor Brian Sells, who uh, he and his wife, Dr. Danita Howland Sells, a local pediatrician and their daughter, reside here in Atlanta. He tweets earlier today, uh, retweeting a Nate Silver video where Nate Silver from 538 believes that Warnock has the upper hand. Mr. Sells, our guest, believes it's actually quite the opposite. We'll discuss more of that. In fact, we'll play Nate Silver's video that prompted the retweet in just a few minutes. Stand by. This is The Ron Show on the America One Radio app and at americaoneradio.com. Back after this. 